Welcome to the Mind and Body Podcast, or Mind and Body Understanding Podcast with your host, Jeff Farian. Uh, today, we've got a guest in the studio coming to talk to us about um, mental and physical well-being. So, Jeff, do you want to introduce our guest? Reg, I do. You know, I've, I've been thinking about that intro uh, sound that we have, and uh, I think I want to get... Uh, some music incorporated somehow too. Well, you find me rights free music, and we can do that. <laughs> Sweet. Well, you know, I can always play it on my xylophone or something. Okay, I named this show, and I named my original company Body Understanding, but Mind and Body Understanding because of the connection between mind and body. I mean, there's there's absolutely no way of separating the two. And I want to progressively try to educate myself and then my clients and people I interact with on the connection between the two. And I couldn't think of a better person to bring on the show to discuss that than Deb Messner. Deb is a 20 plus year physical fitness expert. She's been a training, a personal trainer for the majority of those years. She has other background history in physical fitness, and we'll talk about that later. Uh, she is the founder and owner of Avenue X uh, Fitness Center, which is on the corner of North Star and King Avenue here in Columbus, Ohio. Um, and I wanted to tell you, Reg, it's exciting to me to have you talk to her because you being a former defensive lineman in college football, Deb's family's got a big history in football. And her cousin is a former All-American in Michigan, Mark Messner. Okay. He All played right. defensive end. He's got uh, whether <laughs> here's here's Deb. Deb, your cousin has records at Michigan, or yes, what? He does. He still holds records up there for the most sacks. He's in the nice. Hall of Fame up there in Michigan. And usually here in Ohio, people aren't too receptive to that. Hey, piece game. of information. <laughs> game recognized game. That's all good. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Now, her cousin was one of the best that ever put on a helmet in Michigan, I think. I mean, I watched him when I was in grade school and high school, uh, middle school, I guess it would have been in his late 70s, was it, Deb? Uh, he was 80s, or, mid to late 80s. Mid to late 80s. Well, that'd be high mid school to to college. Yeah. So, yeah, I saw him play in the stadium probably a couple times. Oh, that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, but uh, tell us a little bit more about your background in health and fitness, Deb. Well, I mean, with all that athletic background, I really wanted to do something that was in that field and combined with everybody being athletes in the family there's also the heart disease issue so I wanted to do something that would start changing that course of direction in the family mm-hmm. and I love hanging out with people laughing having a good time and working out and being in a gym seems to do that eventually for people so your family True. I don't want to dig up wounds but your family's had some heart concerns oh yeah yeah most most relatives pass away from heart attacks so I kind of wanted to see what I could do to stop that trend and uh, that's why I got involved in the whole fitness industry and training myself and training other people then no, that's really impressive. I'll, I'll just jump in here with also having a family rich with heart disease. Uh, lost both my father and my uncle before the age of 45 to heart attacks. Oh, wow. So. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And so much of that has to do with activity and, and our lifestyle. And 
what what was tough is that even when you see some people doing the right things and athletes in our family and uh, my dad passed away at the age of 62 which the older <laughs> I, the older I get the, the more I think yeah that's young right, right. so uh, it it can happen and you, you want to work on those genetics and do what you can to curb that well, it sounds like that you've uh, established quite a stronghold on the health and fitness community here in Columbus. I mean, 20 plus years owning your own gym. It seems like you would be a wealth of knowledge for what we're going to talk about. I'm very happy to have you on the show. Thank you. We're going to start with the idea of, as I mentioned in the promo, the connection between mental and physical well-being. So... On your end, Deb, I mean, people come in, you know, and they're looking to get in physical shape. How do you blend in the idea of the mental side of it when you're training someone in your gym? Well, what happens is as I start working with them and they physically start to feel better or they get stronger, that becomes a byproduct and they don't even realize that's going to happen. And pretty soon, as they're physically feeling better... I notice when they walk in the door, all of a sudden, instead of coming in and their shoulders slumped over and they look kind of down, now they hit the door and their head is up, their shoulders are back, and about two or three sessions in, they notice that they have different uh, feelings throughout the day, they're in a better mood, and I'm like, yeah, that's from working out, that's going to help that. It's always nice when your clients come in and they they seem very happy to see you. <laughs> <laughs> they usually come in happy to see me, and then on the way out, they're like, "Yeah, I want to get out of here, get away from me." <laughs> well, you know, I have gone to Deb as a trainer now for a long time, and I enjoy her greeting. Hey, Jeff! She yells it across <laughs> the gym, and I really enjoy her enthusiasm through the entire workout, and I try to mimic it and. and pick her up too so that we're in sync when we go through a workout but I appreciate that um, but you mentioned when we talked about doing this show Deb the idea that you want to teach people small wins are important and can you elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by small wins yeah so many times I mean people when they come to see me they have this huge goal that's just out there and it's a big large task and the small wins along the way are so important because if, if all you have out there is this huge long-term goal, you feel like you're never going to get there. So sometimes it's just somebody showing up. That's a win. And, you know, I'll have to tell someone, think of, think of all the people who are home on their couch or they've got their hand in a bag of chips right now and you're here. You're here. That's a win. So are wins things that you do or are wins things that you don't do? Or is it a combination? It can be both. It can be a win is walking in the door. Um, Another win is when you leave there, instead of going through the drive-thru, you go home, you have a a different feel about how you want to spend the rest of your afternoon. Yeah, because I know that when I get in the vein of not being healthy, I sabotage myself. Uh-huh. Like I'll put my, like I'll take my good shoes for working out, and I'll put them someplace where I'm not going to get them. <laughs> and uh, you laugh at that, but but when you don't cross that, I can't find my shoes. I'm not going to the gym. Forget it, They're right? Not, you know, and it's just a win to put on your shoes. 
I mean, yeah. I, I think that that's Absolutely. important. And those are all things that I try to help people acknowledge along the way so that, you know, they, they may feel like they didn't do a very good workout. If they felt weak or they felt like they got really tired, there's so many other things that you can, you can say, hey, it, it's a win that you're here. It's a win that you got through that. The last week you didn't. So to give our prospective audience a, a, a picture of this, what are some of these grandiose, too big ideas that people come in with, and how do you whittle them down? They will come in with, and especially this time of year, it's after the holidays, everybody's, you know, just sick of all the parties and the overeating, although this year we didn't have the parties, but it was still a big overeat year. Yeah. Uh, and they'll come in and... You know, they want to be, they want to drop 50, 60 pounds by March 1st and, oh, cool. and be in great shape and change all their habits and, and be in a workout routine. And it, it, you have to, you have to take things in little bits yeah. so that every time I see somebody come in and try to change their routine, their workouts, their food, it's almost a fail. Because it's too much all at once. <laughs> well, they want to do it all at once. Yeah. And that's and not only has it been a record eating, I've heard it's been a record drinking year oh, in 2020. Yeah. And I always had this wonderful plan that I was going to invent a beer that made you lose weight. <laughs> <laughs> you, Let's work on that, If Jack. you invent a beer that could actually, you know, or a liqueur that would make someone lose weight, uh, you'd be a billionaire within 24 hours of opening your doors. And uh, I don't know. That's that's crazy talk, I think, and it's probably not important. But I, this, can, I, this, can I ask Deb a question? Sure you can. It's our She Shed woman, the wisdom of the She Shed Lisa. Uh, go ahead. Ask Deb a question. Um, I have a friend, and she actually is trying to start to get back in the gym again. And I told her, I'm like, hey, you're making it at 5.15 in the morning. But she's now getting a lot of anxiety about going because she's not feeling the confidence that she sees the people around her striving for. And I don't know what to really, like, how do you get somebody to get past that point of everybody's doing so much better than I am mentality? Because that's where she's at. And now she's wanting to kind of stop. But I, I keep saying, you're making it there. But the anxiety that she gets seeing the people around her, I guess. How do you, how would you address that? So she, she sees people around her that are progressing and she doesn't feel she's getting, making as good of progress. Is that yes. your question? Yes. Yeah. I, you know, I really um, encourage everybody to work within their own abilities and their own framework and because everybody's coming with so many different uh, things that can come into play when you're talking about how successful you're going to be, your age, your background, if you've been an athlete, if you haven't been an athlete and everybody works at their own pace and you just have to stay focused on your own small accomplishments yeah. versus worrying about anybody else because if she's there and she's doing the hard work it's gonna pay off and whether it pays off at the same rate with somebody else um is irrelevant when it comes to her ability to stay on track 
Not, I, at least I come from a clinical perspective on that. She, that's her perspective that all these people are doing that much better than she is. Uh, and it's all relative to, as Deb was saying, personal gains. So if, if your friend just has personal goals, she should uh, write them down, make them very clear to herself, and then work on her personal goals, as Deb said, getting to those small wins where she sees, I want to go to the gym five times this week. Well, you know, I, I like the 80% rule. So if I say five wins or five uh, visits for the week, if I make four of the five, then I'm doing really, really, really well. And that's me. That's not, I don't compare it to the person I see across the gym. I don't compare it to the person I'm working out with. I don't compare it to anyone else. The people I see on TV, especially, don't compare it to that. I just compare it to my own ability to meet those small goals. And uh, it's not quite a perfect segue, Deb, but I think this person sounds like she's been isolating her house a little bit. Yeah. You know, haven't we all? Yes. Um, And how has that affected some of the people you've been seeing in your gym lately? I'm sorry, Lisa, did... uh, did that help at all, by the way? I mean, is that- Yeah, actually it did. Um, it, I just wanted to kind of give her some advice that I'm not able to give. You know what I mean? To yeah. kind of help her boost her morale. So. Yeah, I, I just, she's got to be centrally focused on her own goals. Is, is okay. what I'm telling and it sounds like mm-hmm. where Deb is with this. Yep. But let's talk about, you know, coronavirus and being isolated for 8 to 12 months now, Deb. Uh, how are people feeling that come in and see you? Well, there's it, it's real different now compared to how it was when I was able to reopen June 1 after being shut down. I, I closed on March 16th. So at the beginning, people were kind of into their Zoom workouts, their apps. They tried to stay up on that. And there were there was about a two to three week period of time where people were very engaged and then it just tailed off and it's like uh oh people are they're they're starting to lose it a little bit and a lot of that was because they were sick of virtual stuff already um they were tired of not seeing a person and yeah. so that that interaction one-on-one when you come into a facility and you have camaraderie and you have all that, you take all that away when you're doing an app or when you're looking at a computer screen, trying to figure out if you're doing the the lift right. Your gym has been very successful uh, in my opinion, but it seems from, you know, how you've been doing in keeping people separate, safe, but also getting a great workout. For sure. So can you talk about that? How you've been able to do that? It's a, it's a small, it, I created the model to be small, but even before the virus. So it, it keeps people spaced out really well. We have maybe six, six to eight people max in a session. And so that keeps everybody spread out in the facility on different equipment in a different spot. How many square foot do you have there? 2,500. So yeah. you've got about you know, six, six or eight people in that amount of square footage, you're spread out. Mm -hmm. And, uh, back to Lisa's point about, uh, how you do on your own in that situation, we could have 
We could have an athlete that's 28 years old with somebody who's 55, with someone who's 40, and it doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. In their moment, they're, they're doing their stuff on their own, but yet you still are around people. And I saw when we were able to reopen, people became like excited just to see another human being when they walked in the door. So, uh, that was, that was great to see. And Mm -hmm. I understood it because after almost three months of being isolated myself, it was, it was a challenge because you start to feel like I don't want to go back in and do those things that I've always done. Everything's changed and, you feel lethargic because you laid around for three oh, months. Yeah, right. Well, like the group that you had in last summer that I was coming in and working out with at the 8 o'clock session, when I stopped coming in at the 8 o'clock session, they are like, where's Jeff? What happened to Jeff? <laughs> There's accountability. <laughs> well, accountability, but just, you know, the desire to be within a group and to actually interact with people too, not necessarily me, but just anybody. For sure. I'm finding that new clients that come into counseling want to come in face-to-face. They really want to. I mean, they want to make sure it's safe. Right. The environment's safe and that it's, you know, kept sanitary and all that. But they want to talk to someone face-to-face. They don't want to video chat. They don't want to. I mean, I don't know where you are or your friend, Lisa, but uh, did your friend have uh, some isolation issues as well concerning, like... Um, Maybe socially, but she was considered an essential worker. So she's never been laid off. She was never stuck at home in that aspect. Well, that's good. Sometimes when you're stuck at home, you get into your head a lot, too. I was just going to say that you start worrying about stuff when you're home. I mean, I, I would be home thinking, what's it going to be like when I reopen? Am I, are people going to come back? And just this morning training somebody, she mentioned that she reached a point where she wanted to come back to the gym, but now she had anxiety because she thought, what if I get sick? And what if I, and as the owner of the facility, that was my concern as I reopened was, what if I have this virus come storming through my facility and a bunch of people get sick? So you add all that anxiety. Well, it didn't to- help that media, the media drove the idea that nightclubs and health clubs were the cesspool of right. coronavirus. <laughs> right. Which was never really proven on the end of health clubs, I don't think. No, and I, I mean, we did not have, before we shut down, even through that winter season prior to COVID, I didn't have anybody with even so much as a cold in my facility. So then I had to shut down when I already had created a model where people could have stayed safely distanced from each other. Right. But, you know, we, we didn't know certain things back when we needed to shut down. And so being in this industry, I thought, okay, here's here's what we've got to do. But watching people come back in three months later mm-hmm. was was very interesting to just watch how having not been in the gym, not having that one-on-one connection Mm -hmm. with anybody or the camaraderie, their demeanor had changed in that short a period of time. You probably experienced things in July when you reopened that you experienced normally in like March and April when people have not come in because of staying at home for winter and all that stuff. And they start to 
get their summer clothes out and realize, uh, <laughs> they're too tight. I need to go anywhere. to the gym, I think. I'm telling you, March can be more of a panic time even than after the, you know, January and stuff because March hits up. and they start going, oh geez, I got it. I'm, I'm going to start taking some of these bulky layers off and May is around the corner then. So, mm-hmm. But the uh, but the big thing was watching people come in and they wanted to chat about everything and anything and you know what what kind of dog food they changed with their dog during quarantine. I mean they hadn't told people anything or, or conversed about stuff, let alone worked out. Right. See, that's the part that keeps me from going to the gym is I don't want to talk to people. Right. <laughs> well, we, can, we can do that too. We can, we can do the no well, talk thing. <laughs> you know, and some people are able to go to the gym and get through an entire workout and be self-motivated and, and get on the bike and, and ride for 25 minutes at a high pace. And some people aren't. Yeah. You know, and I think Deb's model and the way that Avenue X works is catered to those who just need a smile and a little encouragement. You know, they don't need like to be shoved into the weight room. They need to be just encouraged to come in and feel good about it and feel good about themselves. Yeah. Um, which leads me to my next point, which is the people that have issues, you know, personal issues about working out and the idea of coping skills to deal with the transition. I, that's the way I think about it. Like, I don't want to leave my house and go work out, but I know I need to leave my house and go work out. How do I get there? I mean, and how do I associate that to becoming a more well-rounded, healthy individual? Deb, uh, you've been working with people for 20 plus years. Uh, you know you've seen this. Oh, absolutely. And a lot of it is getting that person to just walk through my door. It's like, I, I always tell them, just just come in and I'll do the rest. So if they can get themselves in the door, I we can do the rest there. Uh, it's just a lot of times that becomes the most difficult aspect is to actually get get off the couch, get in your car, and drive to the gym. And people tell me that all the time. And you nev- if you wait to get up and go until you feel like doing it, <laughs> that that's going to be a, a losing happen, right? battle right there. Absolutely. And sometimes you just have to say, you know what, I got to get up and go do this. And you might expect to have the worst workout that day because you're just not feeling it. And nine times out of 10, those are people's best workouts because they get there and they have no expectations. And all of a sudden they get into it. So, but you, you can't wait for your feelings to come along Right. And be super excited about something that is going to be hard work and be challenging. And, you know, sometimes you just don't want that. Lisa, you came in earlier today with a very pertinent question for a friend of yours. Uh, I'm going to ask you to personally relate what we've been talking to a little bit to yourself. Um, and you can share with us as much or as little as you want. But... We love getting your perspective from the she shed, of course. I don't just call her that. She actually has one in the backyard. Um, I do, and I love it. So from your perspective, from an outside perspective, um, 
Do you have, like, is this part of your life or is it not? Or have you thought about, you know, interacting physical and mental well-being? I mean, tell um, us tell I, us your perspective. I have, actually. Um, I've been, I've had a lot of ups and downs. I'll admit that. Um, when I was getting to the point where I've had my lowest points, I decided I have to do something about it. I knew something wasn't right with me. And I was getting up. I'm very proud of myself. I was getting up at five in the morning and I was hitting the pavement before I went to work every morning. And it helped so much. I mean, it didn't help to, I guess, degree of everything. It didn't, wasn't cure all, but sorry, I have to. As do we. <laughs> yeah, there's been a lot of dogs, a lot of guest dogs on the show today. <laughs> That's all right. But, um, the, the running part of it did help substantially. Um, with my job now, um, it's very, very, I guess, work invasive, um, manual labor I have to do to make things. Like I was building warehouse shelving um, just two days ago. So I do a lot of manual work, but I see it as a workout. Um, I actually have lost probably 20 pounds since... 20, 30 pounds since working there, but I, I take it in strides as a, Hey, I can't make it to the gym for this reason, this reason. I'm going to make it to where if I'm lifting something, I'm doing my squats. I know it sounds really silly, but it also helps me feel good throughout the day. Well, tell us, uh, and talk to Deb specifically about how you feel in, you know, an exercise kick, like when you're in the middle of running every day and, and doing something every day versus when you're not. Because that's that's kind of, I think, the main point of what we're talking about this segment is how health oh, yeah. how the physical side of health and fitness helps people on a mental level. Um, when I stopped running and I was getting to my worst, uh, I didn't leave the house. I was so depressed. Um, I was drinking excessively when I was at my worst. Um, I knew that wasn't good either, (laughs) if that was making any sense about answering the question properly. Sure. Um, It it gave me a feeling of lethargic and no hope, no hope for, I guess, a resolution. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, Deb, this person comes to you, right? So, Lisa, let's just say she's called you on your hotline there on Avenue X hotline and she's interested in your gym and she's kind of presented some of this information to you. How, how do you respond? How do you get someone like that, like Lisa to have that inspiration in that moment to uh, start working out with you? Well, and and I want to add here what she just described when she said I was at my worst Mm -hmm. That's what I saw 95% of my clientele slip into during the lockdown. Oh, yeah. They slipped into that worst of being lethargic, overeating, drinking a ton, and they started to feel just bad about themselves. Mm-hmm. And so what, what you have to do in situations like that is find Find where you think you'll fit. Find that uh, person that you connect with and and 
let them help you. And so many times people feel that seeking out somebody for help, whether it's to get out of that funk and to get into a gym and start working out or to see you, Jeff, people see that as, as like they're embarrassed about it or something. And that's, that's a sign of strength when you reach out and say, Hey, I need some help. And in that case, if she'd call in, I'd, the first thing I'd want to do is just get a person like that in the facility to sit down and have a face-to-face conversation. So you take all the intimidation factor out from mm-hmm. them asking for help and coming into, you know, cause a lot of people that haven't worked out, they have a perception of what they think it's going to look like. Mm-hmm. And so I try to diffuse as many of their preconceived hurdles that, are not accurate and let them come in and have no no money discussion no you know just come in and see the place see if you even feel comfortable uh, because most people get to the point where they're sick and tired of being sick and tired of how they feel and that's what mm-hmm. drives them in to start taking better care of themselves physically and mentally absolutely um, it just brings me to the idea that you don't necessarily have to hit rock bottom to want to go join a gym, but you most know. people, most people do. I mean, you, you get to that point where you're like, I can't even look at myself. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to, don't want to look at myself. I don't want to look at you either. <laughs> yeah. And you, you want to do something. I mean, at least a you do the hardest one. You get up by yourself, strap on the sneakers, and go out and run. Uh, and there's all kinds of reasons. I told you I used to hide my sneakers just not to go to the gym. <laughs> Imagine if it's like 12 degrees outside. There's no way I'm going outside to run. It's not happening. It doesn't right. matter. Um, so more power to you with that one. Yeah, my favorite part of running, which sounds really weird, is when it's raining. That does it sound feels, weird. Go ahead. It, it, I know, but it feels so empowering to a degree when you start running mm-hmm. and just to run in the rain and feel on your face. Mm-hmm. I felt better those days than any other day because I was running when it was 30 degrees out and I was running when it was 80 degrees out. So I love a good rainstorm. I know that sounds really silly, but it's, it's probably one of my better runs all the time. No, I've. <laughs> You know, I've been around athletes a long time, and uh, for some reason, when it rains, even though there's adversity, they seem to step up and, like, perform. And I, I think that's something that just, they, they kind of kick in the idea that they're not going to let that defeat them and things of that nature. Yeah, you feel, you tend to feel super hardcore when you're out in a blizzard <laughs> or you're out in a torrential right. downpour. Absolutely. And that, that goes with how that exercise makes you feel again it makes you feel like you can conquer things and cope and manage better and as people came in from being cooped up during lockdown it took about two weeks and I I saw people's demeanor start to change and it's like okay these this is the person I knew back in March They're, they're they're starting to come back again Because it was real. It was real when people were shut in their homes. And, uh, you know, I I had a 
TRX suspension thing that I had on my door and I was doing what I could in my place and it, it wasn't any fun. It was, you know, I wanted to be back with my people. So I knew that if I was feeling that way and I know how to bolster myself and get out of some of that funk, I, I, I knew other people were struggling so bad. And I've always, um, when talking to people that present with anxiety and depression, I've always emphasized the idea of displacement. Replace the negative thoughts that are going through your mind with something positive for your body and for your mind. So if I want to stop thinking about how I feel out of shape, well, I should go and do something that's positive and feel good about myself in doing it and replace that negative thought with, I feel really <laughs> good because I went out and uh, walked a mile. Mm-hmm. You don't have to run a mile. Let's go back to the small wins thing. Yes. Walk from your porch to the mailbox if that's all the further you need to get today because that's further than you've gone in six months. Right. Then take it from there. And well, let and let that be okay. Let oh that, yeah, yeah. Let that be a win. And so so many people feel that whatever they're doing isn't enough. Because if it was right. enough, they'd be getting better results or they'd be managing problems better. Why aren't I it's instantaneously enough. back in a size thirty two jeans? I mean, what happened? This <laughs> <laughs> not happening for some reason. Why am I not in a dress size six or whatever? And you know, this isn't this isn't just for people who are overweight or, you know, there's, there's people who come to see me that are in their twenties and they don't really, they don't realize that there are things that are going to change in their life real soon. Mm -hmm. And they, they come to me and after a couple of weeks, they say, you know what? I feel better in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. They weren't even looking for that kind of thing to happen. And all of a sudden it happens because you know they're they're twenty something. They're not overweight. They don't you know their their stress level might not be that big of a deal, uh, and it still is noticeable when they uh, you know get a little better physically. Mm-hmm. How it changes their whole day. Whole Absolutely. Day. Well, that was an excellent point to to finish up with. I just want to do some wrap up work here, just to kind of wrap up what we've discussed. There is a definite connection between mental and physical well-being. And it's a matter of coming to the perspective of small wins and not large, grandiose, unachievable, mountainous goals. Uh, I think that's the first thing. Uh, All of you who've been isolated these last few months and you feel like you can't get something done, well, we're here to tell you that there are facilities like Dubs that are available where you can be spaced and still get a great workout in and be safe. But you can also do things on your own, as Lisa has done in her running. Um, and of course, coping and navigating uh, your problems, uh, that all comes with the mentality that it doesn't have to be a giant step. It just has to be back to the small steps. Um, Lisa, as always, thank you. Deb, it's been a great yes. episode. Thank we're going to come back with another episode with Deb, and we're going to talk about guilt. And food. Love it. And not exercising. Going to talk about carbohydrates. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks, everybody. And we will be back with Deb again here shortly. And we're going to talk about guilt.